Thank you for joining us here at First Baptist Church Rock Hill Online. I'm Steve Polk, executive pastor here at the church, and we're very excited to have you join us for this, uh, for this broadcast. Pastor Steve Hogg has a great message for us today, kicking off the new, new year. You know, 2020 uh, is now in the rearview mirror. What an interesting year. We learned so much. Today's message, our pastor is going to talk about how all the lessons that we've learned in 2020 can become blessings in 2021. We're looking forward to what God is going to do in our church and your personal life as we continue to understand his will and his direction for us. So let's pray now as we prepare to hear a word uh, from the Lord through our pastor. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the lessons that we learned through uh, even trying times like many have experienced in 2020. We see your blessing in learning and we see what you have for us in the future. We're looking forward to better understanding our relationship with you as we move into this new year. Thank you for, uh, for blessing us with truth in the Holy Scriptures. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning, everybody, and thank you for joining us for today's worship service. And hello, 2021. All of us are really glad you finally arrived. 2020 was a year unlike any other with COVID-19, the pandemic, the impact on people's health, on our economy, businesses going bankrupt, people losing their jobs. And so many of our personal plans were interrupted. We had to change things, weddings and family reunions. In fact, the Quander family have been having family reunions for 95 consecutive years. They can trace their heritage, their lineage back to the days of George Washington, our first president. When, when President Washington died in his will, he freed more than 100 slaves he owned. And one of those was an 11-year-old girl named Nancy. She would go on to marry a man named Charles Quander, and their descendants uh, became a very large family. And beginning in 1926, they started having an annual family reunion. They had held that reunion every year since, and this past year would have made 95 years in a row. But COVID interrupted that. And I know many of you had COVID-19 and all the changes in our country interrupt your life in ways that we could spend hours uh, talking about. And, and all of us have our own stories from, from last year. But there were also some positive things in 2020. I've heard a lot of people talk about how they enjoyed a slower pace, how they enjoyed having more time home, enjoyed having time with their family, with their children, with their spouse. I've heard some people talk about having more time to read the Bible, God's Word, and what a blessing that was to them, that, and that in some ways they grew spiritually, and, and God used this past year to help them think hard about some things in life and, and think about some changes that they knew they needed to make but had not made, and, and now because of COVID, they're making those changes. In my own life and in my own ministry, I've been able to evaluate many things, and I've, I've learned some valuable lessons. I've learned some important things and made some changes in my own life, in my own ministry that I look forward to carrying forward, and hopefully the same thing has happened in your life. You've, you've looked at yourself in the mirror, so to speak, this past year and realized some things, learned some things, learned some lessons, and been reminded maybe about some things that really matter, things that are very, very important and making changes in your life. And, and it's my prayer that you will continue forward with those changes. In fact, today what I want to talk about is taking the lessons of 2020 and turning them into blessings in 2020. 2021. Now, hear me very clearly. I do not believe God calls COVID-19. 
God did not cause this pandemic. But I do believe God is using it in our lives and in our nation to get our attention if we will simply listen to him. And I think one of the great tragedies of this pandemic of 2020 would be if we don't learn anything from this past year. It would be such a tragedy if if we forget what lessons we did learn and don't act on them, don't change anything going forward. It would be a horrible tragedy if we simply go back Let's let's just imagine the vaccine is effective and COVID-19 disappears from our lives. It would be such a tragedy for us to go back to doing everything exactly the same way we had been doing them before the pandemic. We need to take the lessons we learned in 2020 and turn them into blessings in 2021 and in the years beyond. So let me begin by asking you a question. What lessons did you learn this last year? As you dealt with this pandemic and all the chaos it created in our country, all the chaos it created in your life, did you learn any lessons? What did you learn? Did you learn lessons about family, the priority and the importance of family and making time for one another? Did you learn lessons about maybe work-life balance that perhaps in the past had been out of balance and you needed to make some changes? Have you learned some lessons about financial planning and being prepared for for unexpected uh, difficulties? All of those lessons are important. And I, I pray that in those areas and other areas, God's been teaching you and you've had an honest look in the at yourself and you've learned some things and you're implementing changes in your life. And, and when COVID is over and we're in the new reality, your life will be better. Your life will be different because of some of the changes you're making. But let me also say this, that I think the, the, the spiritual lessons God's been trying to teach us are the most important lessons. As important as lessons we've learned about family, about career and work-life balance, lessons we've learned about financial planning, the most important lessons have to do with our relationship with God, our relationship with Jesus Christ. And so let me ask you, have you learned any spiritual lessons this past year? Have you, ha- have you learned anything about your relationship with Jesus? Jesus Christ this uh, past year. I've heard, I've heard so many people who follow Jesus talk about how they really enjoyed having more time to read the Bible and focus on their walk with Jesus Christ on their spiritual life. And, and I've heard people talk about how they've grown. They've grown spiritually. They've grown in their relationship with Christ this, this year. And, they, and they've gotten more out of reading the Word of God than ever before. I've heard people talk about having a, a new appreciation for the church, if you will, and an appreciation for worship and being with the people of God and, and having fellowship. And as I said, I think those those lessons, if we truly learn them, will prove to be the most important lessons we learn from 2020. Because let's just be honest, before this uh, pandemic, many of us were so busy with our work, so busy with our careers, so busy with hobbies and sports and recreation, so busy with our children's activities, so busy with vacations, so busy with weekend trips to the mountains and to the beach and to ball games and on and on, so busy with life and all the beautiful things in life that we had very little time for Jesus Christ and our relationship with him. Very little time for our spiritual development to develop and grow as a disciple, as a follower of, of Jesus Christ. And that, let's just be honest, he tended to get 
the leftovers. And the result of all of that was that at times we were more religious than we were spiritual. At times our walk with Jesus was anemic and weak and dry. At times we were backslidden and our worship of God and our service for Jesus Christ was inconsistent, hit and miss, not very dependable. We had no spiritual energy, no spiritual power. We were backslidden and we were lukewarm. And some of you still are. You haven't learned the lessons of 2021. You've not made changes in your spiritual life. You've not made changes in your relationship with Jesus Christ. It's as if God has been saying to us this past year, okay, okay, you don't have time for me. You don't have time to read the Bible every day. You don't have time, and, and your schedule doesn't allow you to be at church every Sunday because you're, you're so busy on Sundays with all these other activities as, as those God is saying, okay, you don't have time, all right, then I'm going to make you slow down. I'm, I'm going to allow circumstances in life to unfold in such a way you have no choice but to slow down. And when you slow down, you are either going to learn the lessons I'm trying to teach you and make changes in your life, and thankfully some of you have, or you will not learn any lessons, you will not make any changes, and there will be no improvement in your relationship with Jesus Christ. You will not learn any spiritual lessons. Whether or not we learn the lessons God's trying to teach us and make the changes that we need to make so our lives can be better and our walk with Jesus Christ can be stronger depends completely on whether or not we are teachable whether or not we want change to come, whether or not we want to hear from God, whether or not we're willing to listen to what he is trying to say to us. It is though our God is giving you and me a new opportunity for a fresh start, an opportunity to hit the reset button on our relationship with him, as though God is giving us the opportunity to be renewed in our walk with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And what a wonderful and beautiful opportunity that really is. And God wants that for you. God wants that for me. He wants that for each and every one of us. And so in 2020, with all the lessons that we learned through that chaos, the biggest lesson, the biggest lesson I believe is this, don't allow life to crowd out Jesus in your life. Don't allow all the blessings of God and the gifts of God, the good things of God. Don't, don't allow the, the busyness of, of, of life, the, the things that you enjoy. In life. Don't allow those things to push Jesus Christ to the side, to the periphery of your life. Don't allow life as you live it to crowd out your relationship with Jesus Christ. See, I, I've watched people this past year. And I've seen people who, man, they're on fire for the Lord. They've grown. They've realized some things. And, and they did some things to change this past year. And they are, they're on fire for Christ. And then I've seen those who've made no changes. I've seen those who stayed spiritually exactly where they were before the pandemic. I've seen those who've actually regressed and backslidden even more. And there are some very real differences. I've noticed some lessons that we can learn from those who are on fire for Jesus when you compare them to those who are not. Think Things like daily Bible engagement, not just reading the Bible, but engaging with the Word of God. 
That's the reason I've been so thankful this past year that hundreds of you have been reading the New Testament with us and in 2021 are going to read much of the Bible with us following the reading plan that we put together. And, and I've been so thankful for the, the, the D groups, the discipleship groups last year and the many new groups that are starting this month in the life of our churches. People are reading five chapters of Scripture a week, one chapter a day, Monday through Friday, then writing in their journal what God is speaking into their life in that chapter. And then that D group gets together, whether it's in person or by Zoom, some virtual means, and they discuss what God has been saying, and, and they've been growing. I, I, I was blessed to hear one of our members, Roxanne Cato, who led a group say that her D group this last year changed completely. This is her quote, changed completely how I view the Bible. She said, I've read the Bible through five times, but this is completely different. The Bible, God's Word, has come alive for me. Engaging with the Word of God helps people to be on fire for Christ. And I'm praying that one of the lessons you've learned this last year that you will carry forward is the need to engage in a systematic way with the Word of God. Another lesson is the importance of accountability and encouragement. I've heard people in our D group say things like this. I don't want to let my group down. And sometimes when I've been tired and maybe didn't really feel like reading, I knew that when we met, everybody was going to have read those five chapters and they were going to be sharing with us as a group what God had said to them. And I didn't want to let them down. And I'm so glad I didn't. And that mild accountability and that gentle encouragement has made a difference in their lives. And then there's also the lesson of corporate worship. The importance of gathering with the people of God to worship Jesus on his day, on this holy day, the Lord's day on Sunday. And, and so many, so many of God's people have a new appreciation now for the church, a new appreciation for gathering with other believers to worship Christ. My mother is in her 80s. And uh, I call her on Sunday mornings as I'm driving uh, to the church. She hasn't been to worship. She hasn't been to a church service, hasn't been to our home church since this pandemic started uh, back in March. And every day she prays and reads her Bible, but she misses her church. And many, many others through 2020 have gained a fresh appreciation for the importance of worship. Let's just be honest if we can. Before this pandemic started, the trend was for people to attend and participate paid in worship less, not more. In fact, before the pandemic, the, the people who were active in church, I'm not talking about the ones who are inactive, the ones who only come occasionally, the people who are active in church before the pandemic were only attending worship on average a little less than two times every month. And for years, the trend has been that even those who are dedicated and those who are active attend church and worship less consistently because we've made Sunday about everything except God and except worship. We've made Sunday too often about physical rest and having fun, about recreation and about sports, about trips and about what I want to do and what my family wants to do and me time and my time and less and less about Jesus Christ, less and less about worship. That's not a new phenomenon. Even in the Old Testament days, during the lifetime of the great prophet Isaiah, the people were guilty of the same sin. And here's what he said to them in Isaiah 57, verse 13. If because of the Sabbath, if because you realize how important the Sabbath is, you turn your foot from doing your own pleasure on my holy day. In other words, you wise up and stop doing whatever you want to do on God's holy day. He says, continuing in verse 13, and call the Sabbath a delight, the holy day of the Lord, 
honorable and honor it, desisting from your own ways, from seeking your own pleasure and speaking your own word, then, then God says, you will take delight in the Lord and I will make you ride on the heights of the earth. It's as though God is saying to the people in Isaiah's day, when you stop making the Sabbath day about whatever you want it to be about, and you make it about the Lord God, you make it about worship, then you're going to be blessed. You're going to see God work in your life. And so I'm going to talk for a few moments about the principle of the biblical Sabbath and the importance of us gathering as a people of God to worship Jesus Christ. And and that's one of the lessons that I hope and pray you take away from the chaos of 2020 into this new year and into the future is that the church matters, worship matters, and it is central to our life. And we can't leave it over to the side if we're going to prosper in our walk with Jesus Christ. The biblical Sabbath grows out of God's creation story. You remember in Genesis chapter 1, he created the universe in six days, and then on the seventh day, he rested. We read in Genesis chapter 2, starting at verse 1, this, thus the heavens and the earth were completed, and all their hosts, God created everything. Verse 2, and by the seventh day, God completed his work, which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had done. And then in verse 3, God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it because in it he rested. And so it goes back to the, the very beginning of creation and God resting on the seventh day. And this became the, if you will, the basis for the Jewish observance of the Sabbath. When God gave Moses the Ten Commandments for the Jewish people in Exodus chapter 20 and verse 8, he says, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor or work and do all your work. But the seventh day shall be a Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall not do any work. And dropping down to verse 11, For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and everything else. But at the end of that verse, Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So, so the Jewish observance of the Sabbath is tied to how to the creation story and God resting on the Sabbath day. But I want you to notice that it was something special uh, for the Jewish people in Exodus chapter 31, retelling the story of the Ten Commandments. And Exodus uh, 31, starting at verse 31, but as for you, speak to the sons of Israel, God telling Moses to talk to the Jewish people, saying, you shall surely observe my Sabbath for this is a sign between me and you throughout your generations. God is saying to the Jewish people, the Sabbath observance, and for the Jews that was Friday at sunset through Saturday at sunset, was to be a special day for them because it was a sign of the special covenant that God had with them as his people. We as followers of Jesus Christ don't worship on the Jewish Sabbath. We don't observe the Jewish Sabbath. We worship Jesus and celebrate our Lord on the Lord's day, on the first day of the week, not the seventh day of the week, on Sunday, the day that Jesus was resurrected. And when you read the New Testament, that's what believers did. But the principles that were associated with the Jewish Sabbath apply to us, and there are powerful lessons for us that we need to learn. And so if you're going to really understand the Lord's day, you're going to really appreciate and understand the value of gathering with the people of God to worship Jesus every week. You have to understand what the biblical Sabbath really is because I think so many of us don't. 
So many of us make the Lord's Day, make the day off, make the Sabbath, make the Lord's Day all about physical rest. We make it about emotional rest. We make it about play and fun. We make it about recreation and sports. We make it about family and about me. And God wants all of those to be blessed and all of those to be important in your life. But the Sabbath, the biblical Sabbath, the Lord's Day, the day of rest is also about your spiritual rest, your spiritual renewal your spiritual energy, your worship of the Lord Jesus Christ. It was that way even for the Jewish people. It wasn't just about physical rest. In the book of the law, the book of Leviticus in chapter 23, starting at verse 1, the Bible says this, The Lord spoke again to Moses, saying, Speak to the sons of Israel and say to them, Here's what I want you to tell the Jewish people, and the lessons apply to us today. The Lord's appointed times, which you shall proclaim as holy convocations, my appointed times are these. These were the different holidays and so on for the Jewish people. But the first one in verse 3 is the Sabbath. For six days work may be done, but on the seventh day there is a Sabbath of complete rest, a holy convocation. You shall not do any work. It is a Sabbath to the Lord and all your dwellings. You see, one of, the, one of the principles of the Sabbath that you and I need to bring into the Lord's day and the day of worshiping Jesus Christ is that, yes, the Sabbath is about physical rest, but it's also about spiritual rest. It's about spiritual renewal, and it's about worship of God with the people of God. He called it in those verses a holy convocation. A holy convocation is a sacred gathering of God's people. It is a sacred coming together, a coming together as a group, coming together as a people to worship God. You don't do that when you're by yourself. You don't do that when you're at a ball game. You don't do that when you're at the lake. You do that when you come together with the people of God for the holy and sacred purpose of worshiping Jesus Christ. He called it a Sabbath to the Lord. That it's not just about us. It is also about him. When you read the New Testament, one of the things you'll observe is that on the Sabbath day, Jesus was always in the Jewish synagogue worshiping his father. And have you noticed how God built routine into nature, into creation? The earth turns and then we rotate around the sun and there are the four seasons of spring, summer, fall, and winter. There's day and night, 24 hours, and it repeats itself. And in Scripture, God created the Sabbath, built it into our routine as a seventh day, one of every seven days set aside for spiritual rest and renewal, physical rest and renewal about what we need, but also our need to worship God with the people of God. We need the routine of a weekly Sabbath, a weekly spiritual renewal, a weekly spiritual revival, a weekly time of gathering as the sacred people of God coming together to worship him. Why? To protect us, brothers and sisters, from ourselves. God knows that we get so busy, so busy with life that we crowd him out. We get so busy with life that we crowd out consistent worship. We crowd out the, the Sabbath and, and, and God doesn't come first. And so God says, I'm going to build into your schedule, into your routine, this, this set day every week to protect you from yourself, from your busyness, from the way you do life so that you can refocus, take time to hear God. 
Take time to listen to God. Take time to worship God. Psalm 46.10, the Bible says, be still. Or one translation is cease striving. Be still. Stop doing stuff and know that I am God. One of the reasons so many of you struggle in your relationship with Jesus Christ is you never stop doing what the boss wants you to do, what you want to do, you never stop doing long enough, often enough, and consistently enough to hear the voice of God speaking to your heart, your soul, and your mind. And God said to protect you from yourself, I'm going to give you the routine of a weekly Sabbath, a weekly Lord's Day, a weekly time to worship and hear my voice to be renewed and keep our focus on him you know what god says about it in the new testament in the book of hebrews chapter 10 verse 25 he tells us not forsaking our own assembling together not forsaking that sacred convocation that sacred gathering of the people of god to worship not forsaking our own assembling together as is the habit of some I'm praying that you make 2021 the year when you give Sunday back to God as a day of worship. Can it be a day of physical rest? Yes, and it should. Can it be a day for you to spend with your kids? Yes, and you should. Can it be a day to have some fun? Yes, and I hope you do. But brothers and sisters, you cannot do those things at the expense of your soul, at the expense of your walk and relationship with Jesus Christ, at the expense of your need to worship your Lord, your Savior, your God, your King. You know, I heard about a lady who bought a new car, and some of these new cars are pretty amazing. They're nothing more than, than rolling computers with, with so much technology in them. She bought this new car, had never owned anything like, about it, like it before, and had all this modern technology. And the first time that she drove it in the rain, she reached to turn on her windshield wipers, and, and she turned a knob. The problem was she turned the wrong knob. And all of a sudden on her dash flashed this message, drive car in 360 degrees, drive car in 360 degrees. And she had no idea what that meant. When she got home, she pulled out of the glove box, the, you know, the car manual and started reading through it. And she learned that what she had done was this. She had mistakenly turned off her car's compass. And uh, that was, you know, critical to its navigation system. She had turned off the compass, and, and the car had lost its sense of direction. And I just think that's so funny. Here's these cars with so much technology and this compass and all of that and guidance system, and this car lost its sense of direction and ability to navigate. And to fix the problem, here's what she had to do. She had to drive the car in a full circle, point it north, point it true north, and then hit the reset button for the compass. I like to think that's what the Lord's day is for us because we're out here running around in life. We have jobs and careers. We have responsibilities. We have dreams and hopes. We have our family. We have all this stuff we do, and we get so busy, and it's like in the midst of all that activity, we mistakenly, unintentionally turn off God, turn down his voice, stop listening to him stop making time for him stop following him stop listening to him stop stop we just we, we turn him off and God says I'm going to give you the routine of a set day every week when there's a sacred assembly a solemn assembly a sacred gathering of my people and you're part of that group you're one of them 
when you come together to worship me and hit that reset button, point your life back in the direction of true north, reset the compass for your life so you can know where to go and how to get there, so you can know the direction for your life, how to live and what to do and what not to do, so you can have the strength and the clarity, the clarity you need to live well and to live wisely. God says you need that reset button, not once a month, not every six or seven weeks. You need that all the time, and that is the reason to protect you from you. God has given us his weekly Sabbath, the Lord's Day, to worship Christ with the people of God. Brothers and sisters, I'm praying that if you have not learned it already, the valuable lesson of 2020, that, that you need to stop letting life crowd God out out of your life, or or if not, crowd him totally out. Put him over here on the side. Put him on the edge. Put him on the periphery. I, I pray you've learned the lesson of putting God right at the center of your life, and I pray that part of that, part of that is that in 2021, in this year, and in the years to come, you hit that reset button, and you gather with the people of God, and you worship King Jesus every Lord's day, and you let God keep you pointed true north so that your life does not go off track so that your life does not end up in the ditch. I'm praying that you become like the psalmist who wrote Psalm 122, verse 1, who said this, I was glad, I was glad, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. I pray that is true of you this year and in the years to come. God bless you. Look forward to seeing you in church next Sunday. You have a great week. And God bless you. Well, it's a new year. We thank you for joining us here online. If you have an opportunity to join us in person, we'd love to meet you, love to get to know you. Uh, tell you what is a big deal here in 21. We want to really encourage people to be engaged in a D group. Uh, you might not know what that is. Go to our website. You'll find out more about it. But whether you're part of our virtual campus or here in Rock Hill, we should have opportunity to plug you into a, a discipleship group to continue to help you grow in your faith. So check us out online and uh, let us know how you like to connect with us in those experiences. And you have a great afternoon. Your love so great, Jesus in all things. I've seen a glimpse of your heart billion years still I'll be singing how can I praise you enough how can I praise you enough you are the Lord Almighty how shining all the stars
Your love is like the wildest ocean. 